Hello and welcome to the first episode of Mundane Revelations, a series where we're using Italio Calvino's six memos for the next millennium to orient conversation around observation and cultivating an inventive relationship with the world. Calvino was an Italian writer and journalist, best known for his whimsical science fiction tales such as Invisible Cities and the book of short stories Cosmicomics. The six memos, however, were a collection of essays he wrote and failed to finish before his death in 1985. These lectures outlined the five values he found most pertinent to his writing craft and relevant to what the 21st century might bring. For this project, we're talking to artists, athletes, writers, scientists, and careful observers of the world to play with Calvino's values, lightness, exactitude, multiplicity, consistency, and the value we're talking about today, quickness. Anisha and I are thrilled to be joined by martial artist and teacher, Yedi De La Cruz. Yedi has been training in martial arts for 25 years. He is certified in various systems, such as Filipino martial arts, Muay Thai, Southeast Asian martial arts, Jeet Kune Do, Jiu Jitsu, Capoeira, and others, while Calvino discusses the virtue of keeping time in storytelling. We're hoping Yedi can help us understand the possibility of refining one's own embodied relationship to pace, economy of movement, and quickness in martial arts training and combat. Yadi, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just uh, thank you very much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Cool. Thank you so much for being here with us. So, yeah, I, I think we could start this conversation with something Calvino says about storytelling. He says that a story is an operation in duration, an enchantment that affects the flow of time, contracting or expanding it. So during combat, how does a martial artist control the expansion or contraction of time? Uh, that's uh, very interesting in, in terms that time affects everything. Um, whether you are training in a, uh, a safe space or whether you are in a uh, fight, time is uh, always is in a relationship with the individuals involved, right? Um, so being that said, if you find yourself in a, let's say, actual fight, in a street fight, the longer you prolong time, uh, the more dangerous the situation can become. Mm -hmm. So understanding how the issue of time in a combative sense, um, you don't want to take too much of it. So that's why you practice to hone your skills, because the idea is to leave the situation as fast as you can, which brings us to that idea of quickness, uh, because the longer times goes, the more opportunities you give uh, to the situation to get out of control, or because you don't know if the individual that you are involved with has friends or you know, other individuals might jump in 
And then perception also becomes an issue because a bar bystander might pass by and depending on their situation, the way they're understanding things might get involved, you know, not necessarily to your benefit or maybe to the other person's benefit. So mm -hmm. time is a, a very um, uh, tangible and intangible things that we need to learn to control. Well, the, the only way to do that is really to train as much as you can so you can hone your skills. So like that, if you are ever involved in something, time does not affect the outcome because you understand that you want to resolve whatever it is as fast as you can. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. It kind of speaks to how maybe in like a, I feel like in a ring fight, you're able to have a little bit more like like playfulness with time versus like the necessity of like quickness in a street fight. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, think about, <clears throat> so when you think about boxers or people that are involved in, you know, the sport of martial arts, you know, whether they're doing jujitsu with any, any competitive sport, um, the time is different, right? Because you are given a certain set of time, you know, so you, you know, if you look at a professional fight, you're going to fight 10 rounds or three minute round. So you understand that you have a window within mm -hmm. a round, right? Mm -hmm. And either, and, but it's still, it's still like a safe space because it's just you and that individual and you know, and then there are rules that, you know, the individual and yourself have agreed to. Um, observe while you are in this combative uh, environment. When you are in the street, all those things go away, mm -hmm. right? So time really becomes an issue that every fighter or everyone that is, you don't need to be a fighter to get into an altercation, but if you understand how time may affect the situation, um, it, it'll, it'll both better for you. Hmm. yeah that i'm curious like in your experience of training martial arts like was there moments where you started to understand like the potential to control time in a fight or like time's necessity um like were there any like key kind of moments in your training that were breakthroughs around that um you know i just because you mentioned the word control and in a sense, when you are either training to hone your skills or you are competing in something, uh, the issue of control um, becomes very important because then you want to be able to control like speed. You want to be able to control your emotional output, which hmm. then becomes very important uh, in anything that you do, whether you are, you know, playing music or, you know, the emotion that you uh, exert is what's going to dictate um, uh, uh, the time that it's going to take you to uh, complete whatever task that you are doing at that particular moment in time. Uh, but, you know, nothing clicks. Everything is an evolution. So as you are training, you are observing yourself doing certain things over and over. Oh, this person keeps jabbing me in my face all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, 
it's not something that comes like eureka you know like i got it it's something that evolves you become it and as you are becoming it it becomes you mm -hmm. uh, if, if that makes any sense do you feel like um when you're when you're training and you're practicing you know like motions in this in a safe environment how do you feel like that prepares you and how does it not prepare you for practicing in an environment that's very different from maybe the gym that you always work at versus combat in like a whole different like in a ring stadium where there's lots of observers or a street fight which is like totally uncontrolled and totally unsafe do you feel like how do you feel like you can make that jump of faith in the amount of control you have over your environment uh, that's a very um point uh, mm -hmm. so i always tell people that I train with um, that what you want to do, even though you are in a safe environment, is be able to create a situation where it's realistic enough, but without the danger of getting hurt. So that's what good training should look like. Uh, and, and if you create that, then what that does, it, it forces your body to uh, react in a certain way at a particular situation. So you don't want to, I, I don't want to offend people, but in, in terms of like, I don't necessarily train a technique, like because I'm in a safe space and then I go thinking that that is going to work in a place that moves at a faster pace or with individuals that I have no idea how their energy might work. Um, so what you want to do, it's cr create motions and emotions when you are training. The more you elevate your emotional output in a particular situation, you're going to react in a certain way. So, hmm. example, you train, whatever it is that you train, you're training boxing, but there's no um, condition that pushes you to like, almost like feeling that you are in danger. So if you continue that and you find yourself in a real situation, you will see that situation the way that you have been training. So since you didn't take the time to, or where you were training, they didn't force that emotional output, then you won't have it when the time comes in a different place or a different situation. So training, training is a method where you are training your body, your mind, uh, your spirit in, in to react to situations in a safe way, but then it can translate when you are out of that space. But that comes through repetition, repetition, repetition. You've been talking about emotion a lot and like the role of emotional output and in keeping track of time is or like in controlling time is something you mentioned earlier. And I'm I'm just kind of curious how like what you mean by emotion in the context of training, I guess, just if you could maybe spell that out. Uh, so uh, outside of what we understand, you know, rage and anger and stuff like that, and love our emotions. Um, but 
when you are in a situation, you know, your fight, your flight response are emotional um, outputs. And it's mm-hmm. the way that you're going to react depending on the stress that you are feeling at the particular time. That's kind of like what I mean. Okay. Every situation is going to impose a particular level of stress. And the way you deal with those uh, will impact how you're going to react to someone trying to hurt you. Right. So how do you feel like when you teach other people or you train other people yourself, you you create that feeling of stress or fear in a nominally safe space? Like, how do you bring that into your... By trying to hurt them, but not hurting them. (laughs) Uh, By pushing your brains, for example. You know, that's why I think knife training is very important. Um, and if if you get a knife that is looks real, mm. that feels real in terms of weight, um, uh, you know the type of metal that you use, and then you are really trying to like cut the person. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a training knife, so you won't. But the brain doesn't know that. So the way you do it is you're really trying to hurt the person without hurting the person. But you have to push that individual so the brain feels that it's in real danger. Mm. Right? So that's kind of like what I mean. You create a situation where you trick the brain in saying, hey, I am in a you know potentially dangerous situation. Let me move my body. Let me react. Let me see how I can get away from this. Yeah, totally. Um, it feels like I've always kind of, since my three months of training martial arts, <laughs> um, I think about a lot like the possibility of like having a more accurate perception of the world than like, you know, our brain is simulating reality and like making a lot of like, sh- or taking taking a lot of shortcuts in how we imagine things to be and why I was initially interested in doing martial arts was because I wanted like a a greater um, like um, understanding of reality in my body. Um, And there's a point in the, um, in the text where Calvino talks about when someone's telling a bad joke and like you can really feel a misunderstanding of time because the joke is missing the like correct rhythm and the correct linkages between things so it's not necessarily like perceiving the social body that it's telling the joke to correctly um and yeah so it's kind of like if and how I am understanding what it means to actually become a fighter it's about like having like like possessing rhythm in a way that you can actually actually like perceive the world uh, perceive the fight the person in front of you accurately um and I'm curious what you think about that and how how you actually can learn to decrease that distance between mind and perception and body reality uh you know uh, as I said when you are becoming a martial artist um Your body, your mind will become the thing that you train it to be. Uh, 
in so in, in that action, time and yourself like kind of unite. Hmm. Um, because remember, time is a relationship between myself and whatever individual is in front of me, uh, and then the situation that is moving us to a certain direction. Yeah. So when when I train or when I don't train, the relationship maintains. Whether hmm. am I in a situation or I'm not in any situation, I still have a relationship with myself in time that is constant. Hmm. Um, and, you know, same back, like if, if you're storytelling, right? You, you guys are mentioning Calvino and like, he talks about how there's a relationship between the writer and the characters and the characters in the book, even though he's outside of the book, right? He wrote the characters and all that. But that relationship, it's, it's, it's ongoing. Hmm. And to, to become one means that you are constantly training yourself and moving yourself with time, whether you are in a, in front of a person or you're not. Hmm. When you say training yourself to move with time, um, I think that's really beautifully put. I'll say that I don't train martial arts, um, just to be clear. So, but I, do you mean like when you practice technique on your own to train yourself to be more accurate in that technique? regardless of the existence of another person, as a way of training yourself to become one with time through the unison of what you think you're doing and what you're actually doing? Yeah, and then if, if, forget about martial arts. Think about um, a runner or mm-hmm. and a, a person that wakes up early in the morning, puts on his shoes, go out for a run. While that person is running, that person is moving in a certain direction with time. Um, whether that person does it by itself, or whether that person is in a marathon, or whether that person is at a sprint, right? I'm still within myself in a certain rhythm, in a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then when you are in an altercation, the, the individual in front of you kind of disrupts that time. But hmm. what we want to do is we want to be able to move in a certain direction, right? Like I want to be able to control that situation so that situation get removed and then my uh, synchronicity in time continues. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know if, if that makes sense to you guys. Totally. I mean, yeah, like that idea of introducing disruption into the like rhythm that... W- one is either consciously or unconsciously maintaining is I feel like interesting in that it like tests what tests like the ability for that that rhythm or that like if if you're going for a conscious relationship to to linkages and and rhythm then the um the disruption kind of challenges it in an interesting way something I wonder with what you were saying and what you were saying is um 
if there's ever a moment when what you're calling someone else's time that, that's disrupting yours in an altercation, are there some contexts, maybe in a ring fight or something like that, where the disruption becomes a kind of harmoni harmonious thing or like where you both are in rhythm with each other? Um, or does it always feel like a, like a, um, what do you, this, um, negative interference? Uh, you know, um, to me, martial arts super interesting. Uh, one of the reasons why I love it is that everything moves, whether you want it or not. Um, if I'm in a ring, again, if I'm in a ring in a in a sport event, whether I'm boxing, whether I'm doing MMA, any any sporting match uh, I am giving a set of situations or I'm giving a set of rounds where it has a set amount of time um, but that time it's different from the way you are moving in space and when you meet another body that's trying to take that space, right? Uh, it's going to affect how you perceive yourself in that moment and how you then try to carry yourself in that moment, right? Because I want to be able to say, round one, what am I doing? How am I moving? How is this person moving? How is this person affecting my space while I am in this space? Uh, as you're moving to the ring or you know you cannot occupy the same spot in the ring so uh, you know a fight is is a push and pull so you're constantly pushing or you're constantly pulling the person because energy moves back and forth so you want to be able then to say i am here in this space i'm going to control this space and whatever time i am giving here whether that time is my own relationship with it, or whether that time is given to me by the rules and regulation of whatever sports I am in. Hmm. Right, yeah, that's interesting. There's this part at the end of the chapter where um, Calvino talks about Mercury and Vulcan. Mercury being a, an archetypal figure that we're be more familiar with the god of communication of translating from the world of the gods to the human realm the messenger god similar to hermes or thoth vulcan is um less of a well-known figure but uh holds a special place in calvino's heart um and is the a figure in um mythology that represents focalization or in Calvino's words, constructive concentration. Um, and Calvino writes, a writer's labor involves keeping track of different times. Mercury's time and Vulcan's time. A message of spontaneity obtained by means of patient, meticulous adjustments. A flash of insight that immediately takes on the finality of that which was inevitable. 
and also time that flows for no reason other than to allow feelings and thoughts to settle and ripen, unfettered by any impatience, any fleeting contingency. And I mean, this part felt really like a beautiful way of thinking about martial arts training to us um, because this idea of like Mercury being about like um, making connections and being in relationship to the world in a like buoyant and um, airy way and then Vulcan being about kind of refinement and like training so that you are like ready for that kind of um, harmonious participation in the world. Um, and so, yeah, we were curious, like, what is the relationship between spontaneous, sudden time that maybe is more mercurial and what, and a kind of, like, patience or kind of, um, meticulous study of one's own relationship to time and also just, like, repetitive motions? Um, so in martial arts that we work with two concepts, the concept of self-preservation, right? And that means I'll, I'm physically, I'm going to try to do everything I can do in order to uh, be safe mm-hmm. in a particular situation, environment. Uh, but that brings in itself a certain relationship, either with individuals, with things in the environment. You know, you mentioned techniques in training. Well, this is where I train in order to preserve my my body right and then we have the concept of self-perfection this is where we train things in order to become better at it (laughs) and the longer you train certain things you will become better at it Uh, so those two concepts together makes you who you are um and you can use the the ideology in anything that you do. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you, you know, are a lawyer, you want to spend time working at the things to make you a better lawyer. But at the same time, you also have to work on those things that are going to put you in a particular situation that is f- preferable to you. And you're going to maintain your well-being, your sanity, your things like that. Um, so, you know, those are the things that as we are moving and you you make those relationships, those connections with yourself and with others. Because martial arts, you're always going to need other people to train with. I always tell everyone, martial art is unique because it is the only sports that I know where other individuals lend me their body. So right there, there's an intimate relationship there is with you and other individuals. And you are using their body, their physical being to perfect yourself Mm -hmm. and to also preserve yourself. And they're doing the same thing. But growth in martial arts is an independent thing. I use you, you use me, but the way you grow and the way I grow are going to be totally different because there's a connection within me, within you, to the thing that I am doing at that specific moment in time Hmm. that 
you might not feel it the same way. And mm-hmm. this is where emotion comes in. The way you attach yourself to a certain thing, the way you uh, connect yourself to a certain art or you know work or idea, uh, two people might connect to that idea, but they're not going to connect in the same way, in the same manner, on the same level. Hmm. Um, so that's what kind of like reminds me when you're talking about Vulcan um, and, and the difference. Uh, one is more like ideological mm-hmm. self-perfection part mm. one is more grounded in, in you know in material thing that's my self-preservation part mm-hmm. there's a beautiful quote uh, or a poem that Bruce Lee said um, you know all rice founder become a rice founder when he's founding rice uh, and then you can take that and to whatever, right? Uh, a boxer is a boxer when he's boxing, right? So as you are doing the thing that you are doing, you will become that thing. Uh, hmm. But just because we are doing the same thing does not mean that what I do is necessarily good for you. you know, we can both train jabs, cross all our lives but is it useful to you as the same way it's mm. useful to me? It will never be because you are you, I am me. There's a quote from the Calvino this, this reminds me of, um, where he talks about how in an age dominated by other media that are much faster and more pervasive um, and that risk flattening all communication into a single homogenous crust, the function of literature is to communicate among different things in terms of their differences, exalting rather than diminishing their differences, which is the proper role of written language. And he's talking about he's talking about writing here, but the way you're talking about um, fighting with other people as a way of individuating and allowing both of you or you and whoever else you're fighting with to become more independently yourselves through relation with each other. Um, Reminds me of that. Hmm. Reminds me of just like kind of the difference between chronos or like chronological time and kairos, which is like time that flows and is kind of unceasing and cannot be like separated or segmented. And in whatever activity that one is doing that they have prepared for, there's like the opportunity for a kind of flow to happen. I'm curious in your experience of martial arts, but maybe also meditation or other things that um, you've practiced, like what, how you've observed, like the difference between chronological time and and that flowing time that can be felt that like time doesn't really exist. (laughs) Talking about a thing that permeates, I don't know, human evolution (laughs) since we've been... uh, Time is an intricate thing. Um, yeah, are we talking about the revolution of the Earth around the Sun? Because that's how we, you know, our perception of time comes in. But, you know, you mentioned the word meditation, and when you sit down and you just let yourself, allow yourself to go, you know, time becomes irrelevant uh, because it's just you. And everything connects. 
there's there's no there's no past, there's no future, just the eternal present. And and that's something that Bruce Lee talked about. And you have to be here. There's no other place to go. And I think that because our society is in a certain way, moves in a certain way, uh, because you know uh, wealth and money and careers uh, makes us go in a certain direction. Uh, so our connection with time, it's it's very linear. You know, I have to go A, B, C, D, E, and that's how the way we think about the world. But when you let yourself go, there is no time. It's just mm -hmm. me now. And when you are training, or whether you're doing research, you know, uh, the way you connect is by uh, taking away distraction and be in the present, be in the moment. When you do that, everything connects. Hmm. I mean, that's so beautiful, right? But it's also so hard to, to be here now, so to say, right? To be fully in, in the present is something that takes more than a lifetime to master, I'm sure. Um, and I, I actually kind of wonder how you see it relating to something you were talking about earlier with the role of of what you were calling emotional input during a fight and like how you bring emotion into the space of being here now, because... Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just curious how. Yeah, so everything is situational. Right now, we're sitting right here. We're talking about uh, things that we find interesting, and and there's a certain emotion that comes that you bring, that I bring, uh, and and that is what it's moving this discussion in a certain direction. Right. When you are in a alterca altercation, whether it's verbal altercation, whether it's a physical altercation, the emotions that you put in is what going to dictate the outcome or the direction of that altercation. If you allow an individual to shout at you or scream at you and you don't react to it, it's going to move the altercation in a certain direction. As opposed, if someone comes yell at me and shout at me and then I match the emotional output, then that altercation mm. is going to lead to a different direction. So everything is emotional um, mm. in, in, in this physical world. Right? My idea, the best martial artists never get into an altercation. Because mm. you are training yourself to understand that you are the one moving whatever situation it is. I decide where to go, where to move it. It's kind of like if I'm boxing someone in the ring. I want to be able to use my footwork to move that individual to a place I want the individual to go. They may think they're moving themselves there, but it's me guiding them, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to put them in a corner, white corner, because a corner now, a corner of the ring, you know, it's a triangle. Now that allows me to attack or evade or counter differently, or makes it harder on the individual. So I want to be able to control that situation. But the way I do it is through my emotion and that relationship 
with the other individuals. Hmm. That's cool. Like thinking about how emotion guides situations. I haven't really thought about it like that before. And being able to like control your own like emotional content so that you're not, you're not um, like unskillfully expressing emotion because then it gets out of control and like someone could easily control that within you. Hmm. When reading the text, were there specific or like was there any kind of topics of discussion that you were hoping to to think about? Um, yeah, I actually found it. Um, so the, so he opens with the story of Charlemagne and, and the magic ring. And, and notice how a, a ring, right, a, a thing, is able to create emotional connection, mm. right, between Charlemagne and his love interest between Charlemagne and the um, Pope or priest that took it away and between Charlemagne and then the lake, mm. right? So everything is connection. First connection within yourself and then connection to whatever it is in the physical world. So if we understand that everything is me and everything I connect with is what allows me to move in a certain way, in a certain direction, then I am preparing myself skillfully to deal with any situation, understanding that I am the source, right? You want to be the ring. You don't want to be Charlemagne. <laughs> don't want to be the lake. Right? Right. You want to be the ring, because the ring, when you look at that, that letter, it's a perfect example of how the thing in control is what it seems most insignificant. A ring. Oh, I found the ring in the tongue. Mm. Well, as soon as the priest took it, right, there was a, a connection. As soon as he threw it into the lake, there was a connection to it. So you want to be able to be that ring. You want to be able to, to control yourself. And by controlling yourself, you can move others in a certain way. That's really beautiful. And it makes me think about how Calvino was telling that story because I think he was pointing out how the ring became this like narrative magical object. Like he pointed out, I think, how insignificant the ring was and the kind of, you know, the delight one, ex one kind of perceives in like having such power bestowed on an object of insignificance. And it feels like a similarly magical act to realize your own insignificance. And I also think the realization mm. of your own insignificance is what gives you maybe the power to realize that you're actually the one in mm. control. I mean, I, I think that sounds like a complicated thing to say, but when you realize your own smallness in the nature of the world, you realize how much you don't have control over, which gives you the power to control your own emotional reactions to everything, because that is the only thing you can control. That makes you the ring. Right. That's yeah, it's like, you know, Ram Das talks about becoming nobody. <laughs> right. Bruce Lee talks about becoming water, which essentially, you know, no one, nothing. Because no matter where I'm in, I am no one. But at the same time, I am everyone. Hmm. Because the, the ring is the same. The ring is nothing. 
Hmm. The connection that the ring holds is everything. Yeah, going into this, I was hoping to better understand, like, like thinking about a fight being a story and in which you can actually be, like, telling the story through your movements in relationship to another body. The idea of, the like, becoming the ring feels like it's speaking to that question in a way that's surprising and delightful. Yeah, it's a dialogue. Hmm. You move, you're going to contract, you're going to expand in a certain way. I move, I contract. So Bruce Lee says, when they contract, you expand. When they expand, you contract. Hmm. So it's, it's this conversation, understanding when you to contract, when to expand. If you're a storyteller, you know, how you connect to that topic that allows you to then move and find ways to understand it hmm. or bring others into it. Um, so be it becomes very important to, to allow yourself to be no one, right? When I train, I, I am not black belt or anything that, that's insignificant. When I train, the goal is to let the energy move, right? There's no holding to it. There's nothing to it. I just want to be able to move this object in a particular direction. How do you take that spirit into your teaching? Because when you're a teach when you're a teacher, you're in a you're in a position of authority, right? Whereas when you're training, you can become nobody. But when you're teaching, you you are trying to control something, right? I imagine. I'm I'm curious though, genuinely, it's something I think about pedagogically. Well, I'm not trying to control anything. <laughs> um, teaching is such a loaded word nowadays. Um, I prefer the term, um, I, I show things. Mm -hmm. So I can show you many different ways of dealing with a jab, dealing with a cross, you know, dealing with a kick, depending on what kick it is. Um, and my goal is to show you as many possible ways for you to find your own way. Right. It's not my way. My way is insignificant. My way is mine. Um, my role as an educator is to allow the students to find their path. I already hmm. found mine. I walk my path. Uh, so it's not controlling anything. It's, it's allowing the individual to move by showing. And whatever it is that you absorb and you integrate into yourself, that will become you. Hmm. And I take the same ideology you know, when I teach elementary kids. Uh, I don't show you the way I read a text. I show you different ways of understanding a text. The way you choose to understand it or the way, whatever strategy you choose, you choose it. You move with it. Um, but that takes insight, 
reflection. You have to become honest. Bruce Lee talks about a lot about becoming honest with yourself, understanding what you can and cannot do. It's very important, uh, especially understanding what we cannot do. Uh, because by understanding what we cannot do, it shows me what I can do. Mm. Uh, it's always you. There's no one else. 